first Sunday of the new year. And new year, it feels different. The first of the year. It's time to start over. It's sort of a practice to get a new start. We make resolutions. We're going to do better this year than we did last year. It, it feels like a new chance. Get a new run. You know, last year's done. This year's all before us. We hope that this year will be different. We're going to do better. And I hope that, I hope that this new year will be better for you. Today's passage is going to be a challenge for us. A challenge that if we will accept and meet this challenge, then I believe that this year can be the best year you've ever had. If this is a problem that you carry. This passage has certainly challenged me. Because this passage is about the beauty of forgiveness. And forgiveness is not something that you should take flippantly or lightly. We think, we like to think that we are all gracious and merciful people, quick to forgive and slow to hold a grudge, but that is just not the case. Maybe some of us have never been faced with a situation where forgiveness was difficult or was hard to let go, but I know for a fact that some of us sitting in here that forgiveness is difficult. Today we're going to have to learn to look at the big picture of our lives the sovereignty of God, and the hard school of learning wisdom and forgiveness. Today, Joseph is going to be reunited with his brothers. And in this passage, I want you to think about the difference it would have made if Joseph had not been a man of grace and forgiveness. What would it have looked like if instead of extending love and compassion to his brothers, if he had sought revenge or even justice? Justice was in his hands to dispense. He was the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And in those days, if you are second only to Pharaoh with regards to the throne, the power of life and death is in your hands. He could have taken out not just vengeance, but justice upon his brothers. But instead, he is going to offer grace and forgiveness. Joseph does not want revenge. He wants relationship. Revenge and relationship cannot live in the same heart at the same time. You just can't. So instead of bitterness in Joseph's heart, we find forgiveness. And instead of blame, we find praise. And this is not how people normally act. And I'm saying to you this morning, if you are a person who is inclined to harbor grudges, it is my prayer that the Holy Spirit this morning and the example of Joseph will help you find your way out of the prison you have constructed for yourself. For when you hold a grudge against someone else, you are not putting them in prison. You are imprisoning yourself. So let me begin reading today in Genesis chapter 45. We'll look at this passage and hopefully by God's grace and His help, we will become a people who are also quick to forgive. Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all his attendants, so he called out, send everyone away from me. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. But he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. And also Pharaoh's household heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother. The one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God has sent me ahead of you to preserve life. 
For the famine has been in these lands two years. There will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all the land of Egypt. Return quickly to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me without delay. You can settle in the land of Goshen and be near me. You, your children, and your grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, and all you have, there I will sustain you. For there will be five more years of famine. Otherwise, you, your household, and everything you have will become destitute. Look, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin can see that I am the one speaking to you. Tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and about all that you have seen. And bring my father here quickly. Then Joseph threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin wept on his shoulder. Joseph kissed each of his brothers as he wept. And after his, afterwards his brothers talked with him. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace, Joseph's brothers have come. Pharaoh and his servants were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals and go on back to the land of Canaan. Get your father and your families and come back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. And you can eat from the richness of the land. You are also commanded to tell them, do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your dependents and your wives and bring your father here. Do not be concerned about your belongings for the best of the land of Egypt is yours. The sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them wagons as Pharaoh had commanded and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave each of his brothers changes of clothes, but he gave Benjamin 300 pieces of silver and five changes of clothes. He sent his father the following, 10 donkeys carrying the best products of Egypt and 10 female donkeys carrying grain, food, and provisions for his father on the journey. So Joseph sent his brothers on their way, and as they were leaving, he said to them, Don't argue on the way. So they went up from Egypt. And came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They said, Joseph is still alive. And he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned. For he did not believe them. But when they told Jacob of all Joseph had said to them. And when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to transport him. The spirit of their father Jacob revived. Then Israel said, enough my son Joseph. Is alive. I will go down to see him before I die. It's a beautiful passage. The first thing I want to talk about today is the fact that God had given to Joseph a heart of forgiveness. And if he had not given him a heart to forgive, this story goes very differently. It is not the beautiful story that we will see today. It would have been quite different if Joseph had not had a forgiving heart. What do you make of Joseph's reaction to his brothers here? Does it make you feel happy? Does it give you relief? Is this love? Why is he weeping over these brothers who treated him so brutally and sold him into Egypt, into slavery, and didn't care a thing about his life and, in fact, had plotted to murder him? And had they not thought they could make some money on him, they would have killed him. Why is he so happy to see his brothers? 
Well, one thing we know is last week he sees that they've been changed by God. He sees a repentant and different spirit in his brothers. Remember, so many years ago they were jealous of him and ready to sell him into slavery. But as we talked about a few weeks ago, when, they test, when he was testing them with Benjamin to see if he would, they would give up Benjamin, instead of giving him up, Judah actually volunteered to take his place as a slave. And so Joseph knew that his brothers were different men than they had been all those years ago when they sold him into Egypt. He saw that God had brought about repentance and humiliation in their hearts. And it moved him. They stood up for Benjamin and volunteered to take his place. But still, you should place yourself in Joseph's shoes. How would you have reacted in the presence of someone or a group of people who had done this much wrong to you? I doubt, it's possible that very many of us in here have experienced the sort of betrayal and suffering that Joseph experienced because of the selfishness of his brothers. And I can guarantee you, some of us, perhaps many of us in this room, would have reacted much more poorly than Joseph did. The presentation of his brothers in such an exposed uh, and helpless situation. As I said, he had the power of life and death in his hand, and the men who had sold him into slavery caused him to be a slave in the house of Potiphar, who had set in motion a chain of events which also led to him being in prison for many years, and not only that, but being separated from the father whom he loved for so many years. If you had the power to imprison or the life or the power of the sword, would you have reacted in the same way that Joseph did? I know that I have acted far more poorly for far less severe offenses. Haven't you? And as I read this story of forgiveness, I was thinking about this and, and how to apply this to myself, how we could apply it in our lives. I thought of a book I read a long time ago uh, by Corey Tenboom uh, called The Hiding Place. Have any of y'all ever read The Hiding Place? It would be a great book to read uh, if you've never read it before. It's an autobiography of... Corey Tinboom, and she uh, helped hide Jews uh, from the Nazis in occupied Netherlands. So she hid them in her home, and they were caught. They were caught hiding Jews by the Nazis, and they were put into Ravensbrück concentration camp, which is one of the worst concentration camps in Nazi Germany. Her sister Betsy died there. Her father, Casper, also died in prison. And Corey Tinboom spent many wretched years suffering terribly, watching friend after friend die in the gas chambers while she was in Ravensbrook Prison. In fact, she was only released by clerical error, and a week later, everyone her age and above was killed in the gas chambers at Ravensbrook. Now, Corey Tinboom loved the Lord Jesus very much. And every week she hosted Bible studies with the smuggled Bible uh, that they... <laughs> it's such a great story. I'm getting carried away with it. I'm just going to cut to the chase here. Many years later, as she was going around and, and teaching and talking to people about her experiences and giving glory to God, she spoke on forgiveness. And this is what reminded me of this. And as she was speaking about forgiveness, people came up after the service, they always do, telling her and they were thanking her, and she came face to face with one of the guards in Ravensbrook who had tortured her and her sister. And he said to her, 
You may not know me, she did, but I was a guard at Ravensbrook. And I've come to become a Christian. And I want to ask you if you will forgive me. You said the Lord has forgiven all of my sins, but I want to know if you can forgive me too. And she said it was like someone had dumped a cold bucket of water, as you can imagine, over her. She could see him as clearly as day. She said, I, I suddenly he transformed from a man in a suit to a man in the guard's outfit, still carrying his leather strap that he used to beat the prisoners. Her sister had died under his care, malnourishment and mistreatment. She was not even gassed. She just basically starved and wasted away. And this man was part of the people who did that. Her father had died too. Thirty of her family members had suffered in prison because of the Nazis like this guy. And so what, what was she to do? She had just preached on forgiveness. And here stood the man. And she said, I just... Stuck out my hand, just woodenly, because he had stuck his hand out. And she said she prayed, Lord Jesus, help me. And so she shook his hand and said, Brother, I forgive you with all of my heart. And she said it was like a warmth from God filled her soul and her body, and she had never felt the love of Christ so clearly as she did in that moment of forgiveness. This is the sort of situation that Joseph faced. And this is the sort of situation, not to this degree, that every single one of us will face. There is a reason that our Lord Jesus said that if you do not forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. If you do not forgive others your trespasses, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you of your trespasses. And if there is no room for forgiveness in your heart, there is no room for love in your heart. If you do not have the ability to forgive others, you will not have the ability to love others. Because everyone you know will sin against you. So could you, like Mrs. Ten Boom, have forgiven that guard? Could you, like Joseph, have forgiven your brothers? How did he do it? How did he forgive them of their great sin? How did she forgive the guard of his sin? Well, one way that he was able to do it is that God gave Joseph great wisdom. Notice that Joseph says here in this passage, Joseph says, God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. It is not you who sent me here, but God. Now, this is one of those difficult moments where we have to deal with the sovereignty of God versus the action and responsibilities of mankind. Joseph's brothers obviously sent him into Egypt. They clearly sinned against Joseph when they sold him. And there's no denying that. And even Joseph himself wouldn't deny it. These men sinned against him. But Joseph saw a bigger picture in what had occurred. Besides the sin which their brother had committed. He saw that the thing they meant for evil, as he will say in a few chapters, that God meant it for good. 
God is responsible for sending Joseph into slavery, into Egypt. God is responsible. He takes responsibility for everything that happens in our life. After all, if we want to say that God is all-knowing, and if we want to say that God is all-powerful, then we must also admit that every single thing that happens in the earth could have been otherwise. The Lord could have intervened and changed it. The Lord God is sovereign over all our triumphs and all our pain. And if we are going to say that God knows what's going on, then we have to admit that when something that even seems like random chance takes place in our life, that God has allowed that to come to pass. Think of Job and his suffering. Job lost everything. His children whom he loved, he made sacrifice for constantly, continually, lest they had accidentally sinned against the Lord. He loved his seven children very much. They were a happy family. His children were, uh, had the habit of gathering once a week and having a feast and dining together. They were a close family. And one of those days, while they were gathered together, feasting and enjoying one another's company, Satan came and killed them. And God allowed it. We know that. Job had many possessions. Satan scattered them all to the wind. They were all gone. Job was a healthy man. Satan struck him with sickness. All of this under the eye and with the permission of Almighty God. I am not making light of such pain and neither does the story of Job and neither does the story of Joseph. Just because it has a happy ending doesn't mean all the pain is irrelevant. But the truth of Scripture is that God can teach us through pain. And He does teach us and mold us through pain. And the most beautiful thing is, is that God can heal us from our pain. He not only teaches us through our pain, but He heals us through our pain. And not only can He heal us through our pain, He can redeem us from our pain and He can make us a blessing for others because of our pain. Because through suffering, we learn patience. And through suffering, we can learn empathy. And through suffering, we can learn how to serve others better. We can be patient with them through their trials. We can understand what it was like to suffer. We can know what it's like to live with a guilty conscience. We can understand what it's like when someone acts against us and we are completely innocent and our lives are turned upside down because of the sin of others. We can be more empathetic when we see this happening in the, in the lives of those around us. God can teach us through pain. He can heal us from our pain. and He can help us be a blessing to others when they are in pain. And that is exactly what Joseph does. He learned to be a leader in the house of Potiphar. He learned to be a leader in the house of prison. And now then he learned to be a leader in the house of Pharaoh and because of the way that God had shaped and molded him, because of the crisis that he had seen in his life, he was able to preserve the lives of many, including his own family. And so when he's brought face to face with those who sold him into slavery, Joseph is able to look at the bigger picture, see all of his suffering, and in that moment say, I see why I'm here. You meant this for evil. But God has sent me here to save your life. That's wisdom. He's not a fool. Because he knows his brothers. 
And what I love is after he gives them all this stuff and after the big revelation, they've all cried together and talked together. He says, look, don't get in an argument on the way home. <laughs> that's, that's, this is such a beautiful story. And like I said, it, it moves our heart to see the depth of forgiveness and kindness and wisdom and leadership of Joseph. But just try to imagine for the moment if he had had all of his brothers except Benjamin thrown into jail or executed for what they did. How would it have gone with Jacob? What would his conscience have been like? How would he have lived with himself if he had found himself unable to forgive? What does this story look like if we find instead of a gracious man, an embittered man who is out for justice? So God, Joseph was able to forgive because God had taught him wisdom. To see the bigger picture. There's a bigger picture for you too. I know that when people sin against us it's hurtful. And they shouldn't do it. It's bad. They ought to seek forgiveness. They ought to ask for it. They don't always. But I know this. In the heat and fires of pain. The crucible of God can cleanse us from our dross. He can make us new. That's what he did for Joseph. That's what he did for Corey Tindoon. If she had not been put into Ravensbrook Prison, we would not know her name. And finally, God not only taught Joseph wisdom, but he taught Joseph love. He taught Joseph what it is to love. And as I said before, I want this to really be something that you leave with here today. If you cannot forgive, you cannot love. And if you cannot forgive, you cannot be saved because you cannot love. An embittered heart, brothers and sisters, I'm serious. An embittered heart is death. You are a dead man walking if you hold bitterness in your heart. If you harbor grudges and unforgiveness, others will not be able to entrust themselves to you because they know they are one mistake away from you being embittered toward them. If you show that you are not someone who is able to forgive others, how will they have any certainty or any hope that if they should sin, you would forgive them? And our sins are many, are they not? You will not be able to enjoy intimacy with others because embitteredness, being bitter, will block you from being able to love others in your own heart, but it will also cause others to mistrust you. You will not know the intimacy and love that God desires for us if you carry in your heart unforgiveness. This is why it's so shocking when Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? He thought he was being generous. And Jesus said, 70 times seven. He who does not forgive his brother will not be forgiven from my heavenly Father. So the one who asks sincerely for forgiveness and understands their own sin, someone who asks for forgiveness, is someone who will also be quick to offer it. We need to see ourselves as we are. Jesus told a parable about this. Remember the parable of the guy who owed his Lord lifetimes of money? Millions, we would say, in our current lingo, then it was lots of denarius, lots of talents. 
And the Lord was going to throw him into prison. And he said, please, Lord, forgive me. Uh, give me time. I will pay you back all that I, can, all that I owe. The master of the house knew the man could never pay him back. But when he pled with him, he said, take this man's debts and cancel them. All the millions, pop it out. Now go and be free. And the guy left that place and had not even got out of the master's house when he met another servant who owed him about the equivalent of 20 bucks. He grabbed the servant by the nose, it says, and said, pay me all that you owe me. And the man said, if you'll have patience with me, I will pay you all. And he said, no. Throw him in jail for not paying me back. And the master of the house heard it. He called the man back in there, called him a wicked servant. I had forgiven you everything and you would not forgive your companion even this small debt. Go into jail where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And by telling us this parable, Jesus is telling us this. If we cannot, if God Almighty can forgive our infinite trespasses against him, all that we do to sin against the Lord and to provoke his wrath, if he overlooks that because of the blood of his son, if we cannot forgive our brother who in the equivalent owes us 20 bucks, we are no children of his. The story of scripture is that justice is right and good, but that mercy triumphs over judgment. That God, the great judge, who loves justice and knows it better than we ever will, has given to us, instead of the justice we deserve, the grace that we will never merit, not in a million years. And he has set us free at the cost of his own son so that we might live lives filled with gratitude, forgiveness, and love. Outside of these things, there is no life. So if this morning, at the start of this new year, you find yourself full of bitterness, unforgiveness. As Jesus said, if you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering at the table and then go be reconciled with your brother. Then come offer something to the Lord. So if you're embittered against someone, give it up. Leave it over to God and be prepared to forgive. Some of us have been terribly wronged in here. Deeply sinned against. But the Lord reminds us, Vengeance is mine, declares the Lord, I will repay. The way to forgiveness is to remember the big picture. That every single person on the face of the earth will one day stand before the judge of heaven. And every single one who calls upon the name of the Lord, their sins will be wiped out exactly like ours. There will be no distinction. And for everyone who does not repent, they will pay the full measure. Brothers and sisters, there is no reason to carry bitterness. The judge of all the earth will do right. Trust him. Be quick to forgive and full of mercy. And if you will... Do that this year. Ask God for help. It is not easy. Corey Timboom herself testifies, you'd think that after that experience, I could forgive anybody. But she found that forgiveness was never easy.
Return to the Lord. Ask Him for mercy. Give you a spirit of mercy and grace that you might be filled with love. Let's pray. Father, as a people who are forgiven, we pray this morning that you will help us to be quick to forgive others, to forgive them of their trespass and their sin. Help us to be like your servant Joseph, who is able to forgive his brothers. Help us to be most of all like your son, Jesus, who even as he is being murdered, said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God, help us to have such a Christ-like mind and attitude. Fill our hearts with grace and mercy to overflowing. Help us to love as people who are bought by Christ. Lord, be with us and bless us this morning and keep us. If there's someone here who has never felt the great relief of knowing Christ, who have never been forgiven of their trespass, I pray this morning that once again your mercy will fall from heaven.